Like many things in life, there are obstacles. For many, that obstacle is real estate. In North America, real estate can be a great investment for many reasons. You can enjoy excellent rate of returns, amazing tax advantages, and leverage real estate to build your wealth. In this episode, you're going to meet Harold Valliston. Harold is a 17-plus-year real estate professional who started investing in 2006. As a real estate motivator, he will share why investing in real estate helps build generational wealth, and he's going to share his perspective on how it can positively impact change in today's society. He is a frequent public speaker and also hosts a weekly live real estate Q&A on Instagram that he dubs Real Estate Wisdom Wednesdays. There will be no excuses after this episode. Let's get started. Harold, welcome to the Driving Ambition podcast. Thank you for joining, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. Real estate has been a long time passion of mine, and it's super rewarding to have someone like yourself who is on the speaker circuit, but who also has like the intellectual and, and social capital to get it done and inspire others to do so as well. And, you know, I think for me, we could talk about this topic for hours. I'm going to write, you know, and I'm going to kind of start with, uh, I'm going to borrow a little bit from the pursuit of happiness. And my first question to you is, what do you do and how do you do it? So I am what you called a buy and hold investor, uh, first and foremost. Uh, what that means is I look to find cash flowing assets real estate wise, multifamilies, uh, preferably, uh, highly preferably, and, you know, put deals together that will bring your cash flow back to me once invested. Uh, so when you hear about people rent, you know, renting out apartments and things of that nature, so that, that is, that is my first love and passion just because I like the continuation of cash flow and the ability to pass that on to the generations after me, i.e. my kids, grandkids, and so forth and so on. Um, I will do uh, what you hear constantly, which is the sexy thing in the market is to buy and flip. It's, that's what all these shows are about, like flip this house, this, and you know, uh, fix and flip and so forth and so on. Um, I'll do that as a part of my strategy, but only to get more capital to do more buy and holds. Um, uh, I am happy. You know, that's, so that's, that's the economic side of me. The, uh, we'll call the philanthropic side is I want, um, as many people, particularly those of uh, a black and brown persuasion to understand these concepts and how to get involved and how to make it part of their life, whether from a very small bit, because some people, you know, everybody needs to be a real estate mogul, um, to that mogul level. Um, so that way they can affect change, whether from a, from a, just a community standpoint or on a, a more scaled. Uh, version of that. And I, I believe that real estate um, can change everyone in anyone's life. Uh, they say that 90% of mil millionaires in America have been created by real estate. And I'm sure that's probably pretty accurate around the world because there ain't no land, more land being made. So um, I, sh I share my story, my message, the education to as many people who are willing to listen. You, I think the timeliness of what you just shared, especially from a philanthropic standpoint, uh, cannot be cannot be understated. And we'll certainly come back to that. I definitely want to make sure that we that we make time for that. There's Absolutely. a quote that I read this morning, and 
it was, if your salary is your only source of income, then you are one step away from poverty. So with that in mind, I was curious to understand how you became passionate in real estate in the first place. So uh, my real estate journey starts uh, 18 years ago. Um, I was a a proprietary trader on Wall Street um, for a prop firm, uh, just essentially meaning they gave me capital. Um, I traded their capital, and if I made money with it, they gave me a commission, essentially. And um, this was the era of like the, you know, just after the dot-com boom and, and things of that area, and just before 9-11. And when 9-11 hit, um, you know, not many people know this, my office was on the 83rd floor of Tower One. Um, obviously, since I'm talking to you right now, I wasn't in the office at the moment. We were actually renovating that office, and I was in Midtown at the time. Wow. Um, I had I was there a week prior setting up my desk, um, you know, resetting everything up, making sure, you know, everything was working and, uh, routers actually did not, um, put the news line that we usually use, you know, to get, you know, get information, things of that nature. So my then, um, direct said, look, we'll, we'll, you know, play this by ear and everything's almost ready. So we'll just come in as soon as they put everything in. We were supposed to come in the Tuesday after Labor Day, which was the Tuesday before 9-11. And it still wasn't in that Friday. He said, all right, we'll check on Monday. Come Tuesday, no more office. Um, and obviously the company didn't survive. Uh, thank God no one in our company died that day. Because um, one guy got you know, injured pretty badly, got burnt, but he survived. So he's still alive. And um, so after all that craziness happened, you know, essentially layoffs and things of that nature. So I was unemployed and trying to get back into the game. No one was hiring for obvious reasons. Uh, my father said to me, he said, um, who at the time was working for City Habitat, which was the largest rental agency in the city. Um, the owner, he knew the, he worked for the owner. And he said, I see these guys are making a lot of good money here. Um, and people always need a place to live. Your brother's an investor. Maybe you guys can, you know, work together in that way. You know, you're kind of on the sales side. He's the investor. And, you know, he kind of uh, be a symbiotic relationship. So he paid for me to go to real estate school and started my real estate sales career. Um, as I started to learn and see these things, in 2006, a cousin of mine and um, myself decided to you know, follow my brother's footsteps and start buying some property upstate New York. And that's what started my investor journey. Um, it was probably the worst purchase of my life um, as far as from a, from a you know, sound real estate investment, but it was also the greatest teacher of my life. It became the Harvard of what to do and what not to do. Uh, investing in real estate. And within that, you know, bought some things in, in Atlanta. I bought something in Chicago that never got built. So I got my money back and, you know, did some stuff in New York, but during, and this is all, you know, as we were going through 08, 09, all the craziness that obviously put the monkey wrench in some things, but it also, again, taught me many lessons. And a lot of the guys that I worked for, um, a lot of them were developers or large investors in New York started to teach me things that I didn't understand even trying to be a salesperson. So I, t- I was taking all those lessons in and, and getting into it. Then I, re- I remember the lesson that my brother taught me. Um, and then my mentor, my new, you know, kind of one of my uh, newer mentors uh, solidified for me was, why don't you have real estate fund your lifestyle? And I was like, hold on, what? My brother took me on a drive to Brooklyn and said, let me show you something. So you're always wondering how I'm doing the things I'm doing. Well, so this house here, pays this building here pays for my mortgage 
that building over there pays for the Ferrari that you see me drive and the other cars that I have. This one is the one that helped take you on your vacation when you graduated from college. And he, he kept laying out these, I'm like, hold up, this is amazing. Like, so he's like, you know, on paper, I don't make a lot of money. My buildings do. And I was like, wow. And I, and I, and I remember trying to chase that concept, not, but being the hardhead that I was, I didn't ask for enough help, even though he's my big brother. And I did ask him, but he also was one of those tough love type brothers as well. Like sometimes you got to fall on your face to figure out lessons. And he let me fall on my face. Um, and I remember I was annoyed with him, but then he told, you know, he said, look, how much more did you learn by letting me, letting you kind of scrape your knee and this, that, and the other. And I said, you know something that makes a lot of sense. Um, then comes fast forward to my current, you know, one of my current mentors, um, nine to five million, if you guys follow on, on IG, who was a police officer for 20 years, but also started buying real estate while he was a cop. And now he's a multi, multi-millionaire, multiple businesses, things of that nature. And he said the same thing, but in a little slightly different way, he said, have a building for every bill, have a purpose for every property. And what, re- what revolutionized the concept for me was that he, so unlike my brother, who's always been kind of a self-made guy and, and always an entrepreneur, um, this guy was a blue collar worker who took his police salary in Chicago and built a empire. And that blew my mind because I always saw all the guys I worked with were, were again, same thing, kind of self-made entrepreneurs didn't have a job per se. Whereas this guy here was a nine to five guy who created something and it, it put something in me that said, holy cow. So what I've always understood, I don't have to quit my job. I can build this while still working. And I think that's a message that many people need to understand that they can leverage their nine to five or whatever job that they're doing. I don't care if they're a janitor again, or to a CEO, mm-hmm. they can use that to create other streams of, they can leverage that one stream of income to create other streams of income. And real estate was the one that I chose because of, I, there's something, there, there is a, there is a passion. It's almost like raising a child in a way, seeing something come from, um, in some cases dirt to this building or in other cases, something that's been destroyed um, and then rebuilt into something that's valuable. And I I mean, I I know you're going to crack up, but if you think about the metaphor of what's going on now, there's been a people who have been battered, bruised, beaten for years, suppressed, but yet there's, there was a way to rebuild something and make it flourish. So if there's not a sign to me, and what I'm doing and, and what the current times are going on, I don't know what else is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's where my passion comes from. It's just the, I love to teach. I love to coach, but I know that these things can make a tangible, tangible difference in somebody's life and generations to come. So inspirational. The aspects of real estate. So let's talk about, why people should consider it. You talked about multiple streams of income that certainly yeah. resonated. What are some of the other reasons why people should consider real estate? So here, here, here's this, here's, this is, so here's why I love real estate. So unlike a lot of other, other investments and, and all have their pros and cons, real estate to me has the most pros, right? So first and foremost, um, if, I, if you're a buy and hold investor, you can get the cash flow. So that's that other stream of income. The second piece is, tax benefits. A lot of people don't realize that the way the, the U.S. tax system is set up, it, it favors business owners and landowners. 
Um, so as a real estate investor, you're actually both. You actually own a business because if you if you're running it properly, it is a business, and you own land. So that land um, is allowed to be what's called depreciated, uh, meaning or the house itself, the building. So meaning there's wear and tear and things of that nature. So that's a that's a tax write off that anybody can take if they own these properties, and which means it can offset the income that they're making from other streams. So instead of them paying taxes on a lump gross amount, that amount can be lessened so that way they owe less taxes and in turn keep more money in their pocket. Um, those two reasons alone is enough for me. Um, but then you also have the ability to grow your net worth um, doing this. So let's take, for instance, um, I had this cash flowing property. It's, um, I bought it for, you know, this is an easy number. I bought it for 200,000. Um, I fixed it up. After I fixed it up, it's worth 300,000, right? So let's say I put $50,000 worth of work, just so again, for sake of easy numbers, and it's now worth uh, 300,000. Now I have $50,000 of equity in this house, in this property that adds to my net worth. That is a, that is a positive addition to my net worth. But hey, here's another part of it. I'm gonna hold this property probably forever, right? So while my tenants are paying off my mortgage for me and I'm getting cash flow, let's say 15 to 20 years from now, that same 300,000, let's say it didn't move an inch in value. Let's say it didn't move an inch in value, which is usually not the case. I'm gonna have a free and clear asset of $300,000. Now if I do that just a few times over, talk about, well, that's one heck of a retirement plan. And this is something that I can liquidate and become, you know, use that as my retirement plan, or I could just pass it on to my kids, or I can refinance, take cash out of that, re-leverage it again, and makes, you know, um, use that as, as another source of uh, revenue for me. So there's multiple ways to win with real estate. And, and that's why I think I, I probably became so passionate about it because when I understood its power and that again, 90% of millionaires, have, um, you know, have, have become millionaires through real estate. I mean, even think of Jeff Bezos, mm -hmm. you know, the reason I found this out, but when he was getting divorced, him and his wife owned $400 million worth of real estate. This is the richest man on the planet, you know, as per, you know, Forbes and such that, you know, as part of his portfolio, even though he's a major business owner, right? A major stockholder in Amazon, but part of his portfolio was real estate. Warren Buffett, real estate, Bill Gates. You don't think the man owns a ton of real estate? Uh, Bloomberg, let's not even talk about him. Like people quietly don't know how much real estate his portfolio is. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I mean, I'm just watching what the people that I find, you know, I see as successes from a financial standpoint, what do they have in their portfolio? Listen, whether you like them or not, you know, our, our POTUS um, is a major real estate, you know, holder. His father was before him, so forth and so on. You know, Harry Macklow, if never want to hear his story, the man owns God knows how much real estate in New York, but hasn't paid taxes since 1980s. Why? Because he, per he properly structured his investments to be in a place where he doesn't owe taxes because the revenue is coming from a source that's not taxable. But these, this, is, this is all like higher level and, you know, master class type stuff. But I'm just trying to give you a little touch and taste of why real estate is such a powerful vehicle if you take advantage of it and learn how to drive it. 
So good. And my hope is that those that are listening are having the same feeling that I'm having right now, which is, oh my God, I'm playing small. You know, when you hear we some all of those names, right? So inspirational. Lot, and, and mind you, listen, and again, I, I gave big names because those are the ones that people know of. But again, my mentor, if you met him on the street, you would never know what, what magnitude of a real estate empire that he has. I mean, let's, let's take another, you know, even more regular situation. If, if anybody knows of, you know, DJ Envy mm-hmm. uh, from the Breakfast Club, he has a partner uh, by the name of Cesar Pena and his wife, uh, Jenny, uh, Jennifer, that own anywhere between 600 and 900 units in New Jersey. This is a guy who came from the streets, had some issues when he was growing up with the law, realized that um, that was not, you know, he's gonna get himself in a lot of trouble. And his story, one of the funniest part of his story is he owned a restaurant. Um, he, one of his friends talked him into doing a flip. He made 70 grand on his first flip. He closed the restaurant the next day after the closing and said, I'm done with the restaurant. Wow. And went right into real estate and started buying real estate nonstop. The dude lives, eats, and breathes real estate. But if you, again, you met him on the street, you would think that he could have been a rapper, a drug dealer. His brother actually created a, um, a clothing line, a merchandise store saying, so I don't know if you ever saw me wearing it. It says, um, land and it crosses out trap Lord. So now I'm not a trap Lord. I'm a landlord. So don't think of me as some of these dudes from the street. I'm a landlord. That's where my money comes from. Right. Um, and he has another one says like flip uh, again, slash out brick and he puts house. So it said, you know, flipping a house instead of bricks. And uh, you know, this is something that, so from any walk of life from, from the hood of hoods, to you know the, the the most corporate and suburban areas, you can become uh, a real estate owner, and, and, and from an investment standpoint, and be phenomenal. Yeah, and have a phenomenal life with it. For sure, and I mean, yeah, I've definitely seen those T-shirts. I, you know, I, they definitely break my neck. I, I, I see that, and I'm like, I want five of those, and wear yeah. one every damn day. So for those listening and they're like, okay, wow, you know, this is, this is resounding. This has changed my, my mind. I have not thought about this. I've only been paying rent. How should someone go about starting along this kind of journey? So let me share something else my mentor shared with me so that way you guys can, can understand the reality of this. If you are a renter, if you're a homeowner, you are already in real estate, but what side are you on? Right? So if you're the renter, there's a landlord. So somebody's paying money, somebody's making money. Which side do you really want to be on? So don't tell me you're not, you, know, you don't understand real estate. You're already in real estate. You understand the dynamics because you pay a check every, you know, you send a check or, or direct deposit, whatever it is, every first of the month, you know, um, to keep the roof over your head. So that reality should help you understand that there's a way that somebody did it for you, you know, for you to live in the house so you can do it. And the simplest way I tell most people is the first and foremost way for somebody who's renting is something called house hacking. All house hacking is, is I'm going to take, you know, a FHA loan, a Fannie Mae, whatever, a conventional mortgage, and I'm going to go buy a two to four family house. That's considered residential real estate. Anything under four, four or less units is residential real estate. So I can buy that home make sure I do the numbers correctly and make sure that I, at bare minimum, live for free in this house, right? So if I buy a two family, the rent 
from the two fam from the second floor unit or whichever unit you decide to live in, you know, uh, don't live in, I mean, is paying the cost of the house. It's covering your cost. I prefer, I prefer three and four units because it's a little bit easier to do that uh, in that sense. So I might find a fixer upper to the four family, clean it up a little bit, put a little lipstick on it, rent it out. I live on the first floor, whichever floor I want. And at bare minimum, the win is to live for free. So think about it to yourself. If, I, if I'm paying $1,500 a month in rent right now, and, and we're not even talking about New York, because we all know that's very rare. Um, <laughs> if I'm paying $1,500 a month in rent, and I find a place that I am now living for free because of the fact that I made this investment. I may not be getting the cash flow back per se, but I'm putting $1,500 in my pocket every month because I don't have to pay rent. So that's $18,000 that I can stack up to go buy another property in a, in a year's time because I'm no longer paying that money to the landlord. It is now going back to my pocket, not to, not to mention the tax benefits of owning a property. Unbelievable. And, you know, to validate that, not that you need it, but you're making me remember an individual I met in Chicago who's in a, you know, mid-level sales career and he owns a multifamily. He, I believe, has four units and he owns one and his girlfriend who lives with him is studying. And so he's basically living for free and, you know, enjoying his full-time pursuits as well. And, you know, property managing his own property. So yeah, it's possible. Exactly. It's absolutely possible. And that's the easiest way for most people to start. Uh, and that's the way I guide people. They say, Hey, where can I start? That's, that's relatively cost effective. And the reason I want people to understand this, I didn't, I even get to the best part about this. So let's say you want to get an FHA mortgage and mind the way, it's not for first time home buyers. It is just for a, as long as you're going to live in the house, as long as it's going to be your own occupied space, you can get an FHA mortgage. And you can put as little as 3.5% down, and you can get FHA to help you buy this house. And sometimes, in what's called a 2 or 3K loan, if you find a fixer-upper, they will give you money to fix up the property. So now you're paying pennies on the dollar because the interest rates for FHA mortgage are somewhere between 3 and 4%. You're putting, let's call it uh, 200000 Let's start with that. You know, you make again an easy number, $200,000 house. You're talking about you're putting up seven grand, maybe in a few other grand for closing costs. And, and there's some ways you can talk to someone to help you pay for that. But let's say you're paying it yourself. So say for 11000 freaking dollars, $11,000 that anybody can save mm-hmm. in a year, you can go buy your first investment property. So please don't give me the excuse that I, you, you, you don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize as well that you can lend from your own 401k. Uh-huh. <laughs> and even better this year. So if, let's say if everybody wants to get into this year, not only were you able to lend from your, from your 401k in general for your first purchase, but now this year you can take money from your 401k penalty-free, tax-free for one year up to $100,000 to do whatever you need to do with it especially if you're buying a home. Oh my God. Because of the COVID, because of the COVID, that COVID, the CARE Act for, for 2020, you can take as much as you need to go buy a property. Period. I hope people are hearing this right now. I hope people are hearing this. I want to leave off. Things that no one teaches. <laughs> yeah, right? This is not in school. This is not in school. 
I want to leave off. You made mention of the philanthropic aspect, and that certainly resonates with me. And yes. it's, it's timely. In your view, with what you're looking to do and what you are doing, especially you know, in our conversations and, and within the community, in what ways do you think owning real estate can help address this inherent and deeply rooted wealth gap? So here, here's, here's the beautiful thing. So I, I address this a little bit. I don't know if everyone knows. Um, I do a weekly uh, live Q&A called Real Estate Wisdom Wednesdays on uh, Instagram, which will probably move to YouTube live soon. Um, and, and I'm sure, uh, my man here will, uh, share my, my contact and information with everyone, but it's at Harold underscore Ballastin. And so I spoke about this in, in a couple ways. So if one, if everyone wants to pay attention to what happened in history, if you're not a history buff, I'll, I'll kind of sum it up for you real quick. After, after, um, the emancipation of slaves, uh, many slaves were given either land and, or they went to purchase their own land or they earned enough land. In some areas, they, they started to create laws and do things that took the land away from these, from these uh, former slaves because they understood that land was something that can create generational wealth. At bare minimum, if you think about it, most people get a head start because their parent left them a house, whether it's fully paid off or something, something a little bit left on it. So talk about a head start. I don't have to now save for this house. I have this house that's given to me. And if you continue to do that over the years and the people you, you know, expand upon it, talk about the head start that most people will have. But if you, if you, but if you are continuously become a renter and have nothing to pass on, that, that cycle starts all over again and the person has to start from scratch. So just from a, from a general perspective, real estate is the easiest and has been the way that the majority of those who have been here throughout the generations have, have made wealth and how wealth was kept away from those who were not in that in crowd, quote unquote. So the way to change that is to become a landowner. But what people don't realize that what, with land comes some other opportunities. So if you own enough land in a community, you, there's two things that happen. One, you have a lot of say that goes on in that community because you're paying property taxes in that community. So you, you can go to the boards and different things, you know, uh, city, city planning meetings and stuff like that and say, hey, this is, I want to know what's going on in my neighborhood. How can we assist this and the other? But the other piece of it is when politicians know that there's a major landowner in a community, they, they want to make friends with you very quickly. Mm -hmm. They want to make friends with you very quickly because they know you have an opportunity to be part of um, the game. Um, and the best part about that is now you have influence um, in your community. So political power comes with real estate. If you ever, if you ever pay attention to in any major city, mm -hmm. who is usually in the talks or in the conversation with politicians are landowners or major developers or real estate owners. So let's take, let's take um, Sir Donald Trump, for instance. Mm -hmm. Here's a perfect example of what real estate can do for you. So there's a community called um, Riverside Drive in, in uh, the Upper West Side of Manhattan yep. that was once just barren land. Yeah. Um, what happened there was these developers bought the land and brought Donald Trump in. He licensed his name and was wanting to manage these properties, right? What, because of his influence in New York City, being a major landowner and, and the, you know, the things that he's done there, 
he was able to have buses rerouted to the far west side of Manhattan so that people wouldn't have to walk as far from this Riverside Drive to where the subways really were. So that made the that made the property a lot more valuable because most people, especially if you live in Manhattan, the whole point of living in Manhattan is that I can roll roll out of bed mm-hmm. and be some near 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 some form of public transportation. There was no bus stops there before. He was able to get the MTA with the help of the mayor's office to move the bus route to go to this side of Manhattan. But that only happened because there was a viable reason, i.e. land and new residents there who are a voting base in the city. So because he, they had this opportunity, they said, well, we'll work with you to make it happen. So when you own land, when you are a property owner, you have a right and viable say in your community. Mm. It's, it's a lot harder as a renter. Not that you can't as a renter, but when you own the land and paying property taxes, you have a strong voice because you're adding to the economy of the city. And because you're, and, and you get a group of landowners together, that's how changes, that's how changes are made to schools, to school, school districts, to uh, playgrounds, to um, uh, infrastructure. Now, you know, I, I, I salute my, my Jewish community because when I grew up in Hollis, mm-hmm. there, was, there was a, between Hillside, I live right off of Hillside and between Hillside and Jamaica. So if you go above Hillside, there's an area called Hollis Wood and Jamaica State. Actually, just so you know, that's where Donald Trump grew up. Mm. And anytime it snowed, because there's a lot of hills up there, it was clean as can be immediately. My block, not that they didn't clean it, but it took a minute before those, those trucks and the snow plows and the, and, the, and the salt came through. But if you went up to that hill, I promise you, it was as clean as can be. They got their roads paved probably every two to three years. There was never, I never saw a pothole in that community. Why? Because those people knew they owned the land there. They knew that they had, they had political power and they used that political power to go to the, to the people that ran that district and said, if you do not do what we want, we will vote you out. Plain and simple. Money talks. That's this country. We're a capitalist society. So you want power? You really want to be able to have a seat at the table? Own something and have something that's bad with them or be, and, and be, or be able to um, bring together a group of people that have um, the same power as you, that affects change a lot faster. I could promise you in the, in the Jewish community, and none of that policing happens. Powerful. None of that policing happens. And I, and I can guarantee you, all the police that are in their area are Jewish. And in, in, in Flushing, the majority of the, the police officers there are of um, Asian descent. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So when you have, when you bring your voice by and, and control the land, you can control how everything else is there is affected. I hope people are hearing this loud and clear. And, you know, there's probably some negative self-talk that um, listeners might have like, oh, this isn't for me. I don't have the capital. I don't have the means, uh, you know, and oh, maybe Harold and Adrian are only referring to the the positives, the wins, and they're kind of telling us this uh, <laughs> overtly positive or, or this some sort of like fairy tale. I will say like, I fl- you, you talked about like falling f- uh, sorry, flat on your face. I've certainly done that. I made the mistake Absolutely. of managing my own, my own um, 
property. And I've learned to kind of assemble my own team uh, and delegate because, you know, I do what I do well and that's my regular job, not the side, uh, not the side hustle. <laughs> but what, like, what are the, what are the common objectives that you hear or um, objectives, objections that you hear from people in terms of kind of getting going? Cause you talk to so many people. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, um, I don't have enough money. So we just, we just got that out the way. So I don't care what job you have, whether it takes you 12 months, to 18 months, you can save 10 to 12 grand, um, 15 grand, you know, let's say if you want to talk about New York, it might take you 18 grand. Okay. So it takes you a little longer to save, but you can do it if you set your mind to it. Um, so we, we, we knocked that one out. The other one, well, what happens if I get a bad tenant? Well, here's the thing. Ninth, there's a ninth, so let's take New York, and I, and I think that this is true for most major urban areas or areas that you know needs housing. In New York, there's a 98%, uh, excuse me, 98% occupancy rate, 2% vacancy rate, meaning there's only 2% of housing that doesn't have a tenant or someone living in it. So that means there's a demand. So if you find a bad one, find another one. And there are ways to uh, learn how to vet proper tenants and give yourself the highest probability of success. I'm never gonna tell you it's gonna be perfect all the time. It's never gonna be perfect all the time. That's just not reality, right? But the pros outweigh the cons. Like your job, right? There's a lot of, you love about, like, listen, I, there's 80% I love about my job. There's 20% I don't like. But the 20% don't stop me from doing the job. Right. It doesn't overshadow the 80%, mm-hmm. right? Like there's nothing, nothing's gonna be perfect. Even the passion and my love of real estate there are pitfalls. There are things that piss me off about the, the situation, but I'm never going to let that stop me because there's a, a little issue. And if you want to bring it back home, I, I, I joke with all my, my newly uh, engaged or uh, people who are getting married. I said, look, I want you to understand something. It is that 80, 20 rule rules this too. You can love 80% of your spouse. There's going to be 20% you don't like. I promise you. I guarantee it. As you get to know each other, it's going to be 20% you don't like, but don't let the 20% overshadow the 80. There's so much more that you love that you don't like than what you like. And the people make mistakes, they go look for the 20% somewhere else and they make the mistake and lose the 80%, which is stupid. So, so just in real, the same thing in real estate. Okay, the 20% is I shouldn't invest because they might be a bad tenant. I might have a broken boiler. I might have a hole in the roof or a leaky faucet or something of that nature. That's 20%. But the 80% is I can have generational wealth. Um, I can, you know, I can support my lifestyle by having a multiple streams of income. I get tax benefits. I get um, the ability to maybe affect change in my community. There's so much more by being an owner than being a, 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 a sideline participant. Again, I, for me, I tell people, you want to be, you want to be a tenant for the rest of your life. God bless you. Come rent from me. Beautiful, Harold. Well said. And the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, remind me to have you on the future relationships episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, you've been nothing short of inspirational um, as expected. And, you know, you, you've uh, certainly, like I said, impacted um, so many people throughout this journey. How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more about real estate and yourself? Absolutely. So um, you can follow me, as I mentioned, on uh, Instagram, which is uh, Harold underscore Valson, V-A-L-E-S-T-I-N. Um, you can, I'm on YouTube as Harold Valson. Uh, you can also email me at, um, at Harold at the T-H-E-N-Y-C-R-E-Guy.com. So that's Harold at the N-Y-C-R-E for real estate, of course, N-Y-C-Guy. 
www.ivyvanderbilt.com. If you have any questions and want to learn more about how I can guide you on and getting into this world, um, I have, you know, you know, me and Major has talked about different things that uh, like a partner program, which is just a way for people to invest some money, make some money and learn about real estate all at the same time, which is what I want to do is create a win-win situation. And there's so many other things, obviously, we don't have time to go into now. Feel free to reach out to me, follow me, and uh, watch my real estate lives, catch up on my old uh, episodes. I, I do interview other real estate investors as well and the things that they're doing and, and because there's always different ways to skin a cat, and I don't believe I know everything. So I learn from all my uh, fellow real estate uh, folks so that way I can get better and, and, and grow in my pursuits and, and my investments as well. Beautiful. And I'll be sure to add those links in the show notes. Harold, thank you so much for being on the Driving Ambition podcast and God bless you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Driving Ambition. I'm your host, Adrian Ambition. Please be sure to subscribe or follow this podcast, leave a review and follow Driving Ambition show on Instagram.